Welcome to Shaping Healthcare, a podcast by Sidious Tech. Some of the great minds in the world are constantly striving to solve the healthcare industry's greatest challenges with technology, creativity, and agility. With every episode of the Shaping Healthcare podcast, we will take you deeper into the world of healthcare and life sciences and give you a perspective into what it takes to build a human-first, technologically-enabled healthcare world. I'm your host, Laurel Rockle. Joining us today are Amy Haymans, Strategic Advisor of Experience Design, and Rishi Mather, VP, Head of Digital Experience Solutions and UX Design Practice at Sidious Tech. They are two individuals working in the healthcare domain who believe that the only way forward is with a human, a user-centric human approach. At Sidious Tech, they're always looking to seek ways to improve the patient experience and the aid of the patients themselves, of course, but also the healthcare professionals who need the support of cohesive, cross-functional patient journey platforms to facilitate them in giving the very best care that they can. With a wealth of experience in design and user experience between them, they are two of the brightest minds working towards Sidious Tech's bold vision of a better future. Amy co-founded MadPow in 2002 and nurtured its growth for 20 years to become a leading global strategic design consultancy that delivers positive social impact and business outcomes. While Rishi has led and managed a wide variety of projects involving all aspects of the UCD process, such as design strategy, digital experience transformation, persuasion strategy, and design assessments. Rishi, Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Looking forward to our conversation today. And I wanted to start off with a question that seems pretty simple sounding on its surface, but something that I'm very keen to get both of your personal thoughts on. And that is, what does human-centered mean to you in your work in this current age of medical administration and technology. Amy, you want to go first? Absolutely. So the health system is made up of organizations, relationships, the flow of data, the flow of money. And sometimes people can get lost in that system and they're left to navigate it on their own. They're not sure what to do first or who to look toward. Um, and they're trying to piece everything together. And so what human-centered design and health means is that we look at the real people, their situations, their contexts, their feelings, their constraints, their goals, and put the focus on them so that we can understand their psychology and design solutions that will meet their needs, hopefully reduce friction, maybe even be delightful, but also achieve health outcomes, right? We don't want a delightful experience where people don't get healthier. And we don't want an experience where people get healthier. That's very frustrating. An increase in stress leads to poor health outcomes. So we want things to be smooth and we want to help partner with people on their path to better health. And so what we're really trying to do is humanize the health system. Rishi, your thoughts? I think Amy has described it very well. You know, human-centric in the business and the technology world, when, when we are deriving the solutions from the business priority point of view or technology point of view, we don't want to miss out on that, how the end user is going to consume it, how they want to experience it. So bringing their mental model 
up in the game, right in the beginning when we are thinking about this, is the key to make sure that when it reaches out to them, it works in their context. So bringing the people, their mental model, their needs, their perspective in, in the solution process is what human-centric design means for us in CK Stack. And since this is, of course, a very important thing in healthcare is user, you know, human-centric healthcare, right, about the patient. And I know this is a very important topic to both of you as part of your stated missions. And so what in your vast combined experiences caused you to make that human-centric approach that was central to the solutions that you try to find? Yeah, for me, I alluded to it earlier. My viewpoint was inspired by user research I did probably 15 years ago or more, and it has stuck with me. I spoke with a man who I refer to as Jim. That's not his real name, but he was a man recently diagnosed with congestive heart disease. And he told me that his visit with the doctor was very brief. And the doctor told him he needed to make lifestyle changes, change the way he eats, change the way, get more activity, look at his stress and his sleep. And he said his mind was racing. He didn't really absorb what the doctor said. And then when he went home, he was recently widowed and he felt very alone and overwhelmed and confused. He didn't know what to do first. And so that experience really let me know that we need to reach out in relationship and ensure that people have what they're looking for. There are so many resources. There's so many support mechanisms. There's so many organizations, to Rishi's point, that it's within their business model or their purview to help people achieve better outcomes. But it all needs to be aligned and orchestrated such that people are getting that value that helps them take that next step. I feel like while that's one experience that somebody's had that you're giving, I feel like that can be an example that can be used pretty broadly. I feel like I've heard examples very similar to that too. So it's, yeah, very important work that you're doing. Rishi, do you have any thoughts on that of why that is an important part of your mission as well? I think to add to what I said, you know, I we have worked across many industries and domains, right? People approach their solutions, products with different mental state in mind, right? Shopping, entertainment, and whatever. But when it comes to healthcare particularly, you know, try understand that everybody, be it patient, especially patient and our even the care team, the very different mental state they are in. They're in the state of either pain, suffering, and all. So it's a very different place when you're approaching the solutions. So design and human centricity becomes imperative and more important in this case that when imagine somebody is trying to take a medicine or to use some solution, is not able to even understand or access that, how painful you're increasing their pain and all right. So I think it's kind of no-brainer that the design has more important, vital role to play when it comes to healthcare, I think it's more hygiene when it comes to healthcare. Design cannot be optional. Human centricity cannot be optional in healthcare. Yeah, and I'll add to that, Rishi, you just brought up such a great point about the suffering. I mean, when we're working in our offices, we're on our conference calls, it's easy for us to lose sight of the people we serve, what their needs and challenges are, and how they're suffering so that we can step in and hopefully try to remediate that. And so really, a human-centered design process helps build empathy, both cognitive empathy and intellectual understanding of the challenges faced by the people we're serving, 
um, but also an emotional empathy, which gives us the motivation to do the hard work of changing our organizations, our systems, our strategies, our models, our experiences in the direction where things are actually improving. In speaking on the experience of the patient and these different things, the suffering point that you're mentioning here, and what has been the most useful thing for you, Amy, that a patient's told you that's really made you appreciate a maybe more particular pain point that you hadn't maybe considered so much before? Yeah, absolutely. So when doing research with people, qualitative research, primary research, you know, one-on-one interviews or observation, you get to meet people in many different circumstances and situations with many different lived experiences. And you come to find out that you need to let your kind of own lived experience go. You need to be aware of your own bias and sort of let go of judgment enough to really hear and understand where someone is coming from. People have different motivators. They have different behavioral archetypes. So it became clear to me that as a designer, we're in a position of power. And just like doctors and clinicians have to take a Hippocratic oath, you know, an ethical commitment to do no harm, there's a corollary in technology and innovation and design where it's important to, as we're representing the needs of folks, to actually design with them, not just for them. And so it's a very inclusive mindset where we're inviting and encouraging the people who will be affected by the solutions we create in the process of creating them. And we call that participatory design, where we ask them to come along with us through initial research and feed and eventual feedback, but also through ideation and co-creation where possible. I love hearing that. That's a really great way to go about doing that and pulling it out maybe more big picture. Rishi, what are some of these main patient pain points that you're eager to address at Sidious Tech? I think our scope is even wider. It's not alone patient, but the care teams, payers, the, all the stakeholders who are part in the journey to facilitate care for the patient and patient, right? And we look at it completely from ecosystemic point of view. And there are many challenges, like as Amy talked about participatory design, when you work with this, all these stakeholders and players, it's a fragmented information, right? People have to look at this information from multiple sources. Even difficulty in accessing the information, being able to understand the information. The research, time on time, we have done that. Patients' ability to understand the information about their medication or their treatment plan can be challenging for them, right? And at times, it can be even frustrating as well. And then, as you were talking about, that whole healthcare system, the way it works, the PSA, the approvals, the billing information and all that can be really complex for many folks to understand. There's a lot of interdependencies. So I think CTS Tech, when we partner with our clients and solving the journeys for their stakeholders and patients, caregivers, this whole idea is that how we resolve these dependencies, how we make sure these interconnected journeys are smooth. And that's where the CTS Tech leverages because we work in the, the ecosystem. We, are, we know those challenges very well. We can bring that perspective in to solve these problems for our clients and their stakeholders. Amy, can I ask you, what is the principal pressure point where business considerations, you know, speaking of your own business, 
business considerations that are holding back the improved patient journey across healthcare systems. Yes, you're making such a good point. I mean, organizations, whether they're nonprofit, for-profit, private, publicly traded, they need to have uh, sustainable business models. And so we need to look at the virtuous circle between what people are trying to achieve in their lives and what a business is hoping to achieve, making sure that both parties are getting what they want out of the situation and looking after business strategies like that means we're designing for longevity. We're designing for satisfaction, for evangelism, for long-lasting relationships between businesses and the people they serve. And so what we like to do is open people's eyes up to using what's called sometimes the art of the possible, looking at aspirational futures, figuring out how might we manifest the brand promise of this organization? We exist to help people be healthier. What are all the ways we could do that? That will provide value to people. And then how do we monetize that? What is the ROI associated with that? Operationally, what do we need to do to support that? And then from a systems tools technologies perspective, sort of roadmapping how we get there. So what's the vision? What's the value proposition for everyone involved? And then how do we go about the work of building it? And change management is key here. Human beings are very complicated. Getting human beings inside of an organization as well as outside of an organization to change can be a tough task. And so that's where the psychological element becomes really important. So we take a good look at that as well. Perfect. And Rishi, how is Sidious Tech reinventing the patient journey in all of this? As Amy described that about the business perspective around it, that's where like when you actually are soliciting it, so where the rubber meets the road, right? So in terms of patient journeys or any kind of user who's using the solution, the whole idea is that how strategically we design that there's a seamlessness across the solutions, across the touch points, right? We need to make sure that applying the right technology in the right context, enabling, for example, Gen AI, NLP, chatbot. NLP chatbot has been with us for so many years now, right? But what context will help patients' problem? Applying new technologies like gamification, applying it in terms of helping the patients to adhere to their medication, right? to their treatment plan. So how we can apply these gamification techniques to achieve that, right? In talk about the patient journeys, right? Looking at these tools, methods, and processes at our hand, they're making sure that the solution which works in the context of this patient or the stakeholders is the key, right? And that's what we are always striving for. What makes Sidious Tech's Experience Design Studio unique then in terms of offering healthcare design solutions? Well, that's a very good question. Design Studio brings best of people, process, and our domain expertise to the problems at hand. We look at the problems not just as one solution, but look at more ecosystemic perspective, that what the integrations would be, where the challenges could be, how we can solve that. So we may not be solving, for example, a patient issue with a particular app, but how the usage of the product might lead into some other challenges that patient would need support as well later on. So we need to look at from the holistic perspective when it comes to that 
any solution. That's where the design studio becomes very, very imperative solution that we bring this expertise along in terms of behavioral design, service design, and all of those to make sure that the solutions are addressing the real need of the people. Yeah, absolutely. And I would just add that in any organization, there are short-term incremental innovations that we can look after, improvements that we can look after. Here's a pain point, let's address it. Here's an opportunity, let's go after it. But there's also longer-term, more broad-based opportunities. And so what we look to do in Experience Design Studio as well is it's still the top of the funnel with ideas and opportunities that we can vet. And then with the unbelievable depth of health technology expertise that Sidious has to look at, okay, can we prove this out? Can we take this thing that we've done and this thing that we've done and combine them together so that we're really kind of creating that pipeline of innovation and bringing the future closer to the now? So that's a great part too. I really love hearing both of you talking about human-centric, holistic, empathetic approach, uh, really putting the patient, the person, the human first in all of this. And Amy, I would like to ask you beyond perhaps the data, what are some of these human-centric metrics that you're looking for and perhaps are finding to reiterate that you're on the right track, that you're doing the right thing and you're taking on a job that is making a health system work better for everyone? Yeah, that's great. It's such a good question. I mean, with artificial intelligence, machine learning, self-service experiences, you know, basically most of the things you want to do as an organization is going to be on your mobile device. And that's all great, but we also want to leverage all of the logic and the potential of AI to stand on a foundation that will lift people up to have better experiences in the moment that are more informed, more timely, more personalized with the goal of being more human, not less human, and being there for people when they need us the most. And in doing that, in providing for both convenience and humanity, we're creating trust, we're creating relationship, and we're creating business models that have longevity. So, I mean, there are various KPIs, whether it's HCAPs or HEDIS measures or, you know, specific KPIs we can go after, but we can also look at where are the opportunities for us to build trust and improve customer satisfaction and net promoter score and really partner with the people we serve to imagine these futures. What's the newest development in med tech that you're most excited about and why, Amy? It's probably the convergence of home health and mobile health, where you really will be able to get access to everything that you might need in your home in the palm of your hand. And that just in time. So instead of wondering and wandering and not knowing and being ineffective, you can get better answers faster and get more support when you need it. And that's happening more and more. We're seeing more and more every day. I've been working in health for the past 15 to 20 years. And every year you see the kind of promise we know is possible. We're getting closer and closer. And with that, do you find yourself frustrated by the lack of speed and the change that you want to bring about? 
Or do you feel like being in the medical arena, there are good reasons why change must happen slowly and carefully? Rishi, can I start that with you? I think when I look at healthcare, healthcare is not just a technological or science problem, right? It's so personal and so deep. It's more of a societal and cultural thing, right? So it's even becomes like for the policymaker, it becomes challenging, right? So speed and there's always has to be balance, especially balance in terms of speed and precision. And healthcare, you know, as Amy said earlier, that do no harms is the motto there, right? Is that sometimes slowing down is better so that you're making the right solution. But yeah, there are pockets where you can be really fast. And technology plays a very important role to accelerate things. And when you combine human-centered design with it, you push that technology into the right direction. So I think if you combine the you know, use of technology to accelerate, design can always make sure that we are moving into the right direction. And that's where it's not frustration or it's not that, but it's just making sure that everybody is working in synergy towards the right solutioning is what important thing is. I think Amy also made a very important point, like, you know, psychological aspects about this and changes in the way people do it, bring in the culture and all, is always varies, right? Some people are up for change very fast. Some people can be slowed down. So whatever the adoption and things need to be aligned with what people can really make use of rather than just pushing them on some different ideas onto them is how the balance needs to be thought through is what my perspective would be. Yeah, and it's we can, to Rishi's point, accelerate, improve speed to market so that if there are any ideas on new business models, new experiences, improvements, we can design, test them and have them in market getting feedback very quickly, which is fantastic. But also, you know, we are facing, you know, entrenched business models and systems and, and players, and it's very difficult for them to disintermediate themselves, obviously. When you're a huge organization, you're in a position of wanting to protect and maintain what you've already accomplished and developed, uh, which is hugely important. So it becomes a matter of figuring out what could work for the company and for the people served by the company, and then placing some bets, doing some tests, getting some feedback, and really proving out the experiential improvement, you know, is this really making things better for people and the business component as well? Yeah. And as you're working to create a better product for people, how do you, I guess I should say, is creating more touch points where you're touching base with the patient and, you know, checking in on how they're feeling and how they're doing about their healthcare experience holistically, is that a crucial part of the work that you're doing? And if so, are you creating more touch points where they previously didn't exist. No, I think I was just trying to build on what Amy just said about, you know, bringing that rapid solutioning is key aspect of it. And that iteration can only happen in the right direction when you have human-centric perspective around this, right? So our, our design methodology, which is an integral part of our design studio, enables those touch points in a more systematic way, right in the beginning when we are exploring the problem itself, that what the right problem you should be solving and validating that the problem aligns with the business goals as well. Then leading to the qualitative research techniques, right? One-on-one -on -one interviews, observation methods and all also enables that you're as close as possible to end users and customers. Then even solutioning, right? The solutioning, usability testing, the running surveys, and sometimes even looking at the data to identify the patterns to understand the challenges in the user journeys 
all the different ways of techniques that brings closer to the end users, how they're consuming your solutions, how they would expect it to, to work in their scenarios, right? And doing this in a systemic way is what the rapid approach can make it possible that it can really make some results for the business. Yeah, to Rishi's point, I mean, we leverage various methodologies, jobs to be done framework, which says, you know, what are the tasks or the jobs that people need to do? It's very task oriented. We can look at behaviorally what they need. What are their constraints? What are their obstacles? How do we design to help them overcome those? Whether it's motivation or capability or opportunity, we can look at futures thinking. What is an aspirational future that we can look toward? We're not wanting to insert touch points where they're not necessary. However, we're finding that good touch points are necessary. And I'll use a couple of examples here. The former chief experience officer of the Cleveland Clinic told a story about how she bought a new car and she bought it over the weekend. And on Monday, the manager of the car dealership called her and said, how are you liking your new car? How's it working out for you? And meanwhile, she had also received a heart surgery. And after the heart surgery, nobody from the hospital called to see how she was doing, right? Another example is the pet food company, Chewy. If your pet dies, God forbid, they send you flowers. So they've designed for this really human touch point. But at most health organizations, at many health organizations, when your loved one passes, nothing happens. And so there are these life moments, these triggers where something should happen. And we're missing that opportunity to build a relationship. And what I'm really hearing in a lot of these great points that you're both bringing up is that that human-centric approach is as the patient, but it's also the healthcare, the front lines of healthcare, the bedside, the nurses, the doctors. So how would optimized human-centric online healthcare platforms, how would they aid healthcare professionals themselves to help bring a more human touch to what they're doing? Clinicians are burdened. They were before COVID. Um, they are post-COVID. The administrative load of what they need to take care of is extensive. So clinicians are burning out in large numbers. Their job is extremely difficult. There are so many things they need to do from a technology perspective, from what the organization they work for, you know, wants and needs of them, and then the patients as well. So, I mean, if we want to improve patient experience, we need to improve clinician experience, but Clinicians are an audience that we're serving as well. And they got into their profession because they want to help people become healthier. They want to spend time with them. They want to build relationships in many cases. And so how we can look at improving their experience, reducing the friction they, they have, making sure things align with their mental model, their workflow, help set them up for success. And it's going to have cascading impacts to patients and their families as well. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like that's a completely transformative thing to be able to have, <laughs> have those things all working together, all those pieces together. And Amy, how far do you think we are away from like a convergence of healthcare practices that prioritize the things that 
you're prioritizing with a human-centric approach? Yeah, there are a lot of hurdles and constraints. I think when we approach it from the technology perspective that like, hey, clinicians and patients need to use this technology. Let's make it as easy to use and as frictionless as possible. Let's have people staring at screens less so they can be with patients more. That's a good place to start. Then from a a services and a systems and a experience and a business perspective, looking at how do we adjust and change operationally what we're expecting from people and maybe having technology come and pick up and do things for people. So in some ways, technology asks more of us and more of doctors, more of clinicians in terms of data entry. But the more we sort of refine that technology so that technology can do parts and then the clinicians can kind of stand on that as a foundation as opposed to getting kind of sucked into it, of course, with all respect for everything that they bring to the table, not replacing them, but working with them, obviously, right? There's opportunity there. So this isn't like a problem that will be solved. I don't think one day we'll go home and be like, we solved healthcare, right? It's a sort of eternal wicked problem, so to speak. Um, It's the thing that people value most in their lives is one of the things that people value most in their lives is their health and will always have work to do. Absolutely. I mean, I'm really curious about the design studio and some of the setup with that. And so Rishi, I wanted to ask, in your view, what's the most direct way that good design can lead to a better health outcome? That's always what we are striving for, right? In terms of, as Amy said, other giving tools in the hand of doctors or, or the care team, right? See, you know, you give a scissor in the hand of surgeon. In today's age, the digital tools are the real tools. Radiologists looking at the scans to identify what the challenges are with the help of AI technology and all, how you make it simple and easy for them to use this technology in their natural work, right? And they can be much faster and very productive in terms of finding out the scans and solving those problems for the patients, right? So there is always correlation in terms of, I'll give you another example, right? So we were we are working on this mobile app for the patients to manage their uh, you know oxygen concentrator and all of that. Now that could be one simple application, but when you look at that, it's basically it's about their living condition, right? It's very essential for them, but it's all about their breathe capability and all of that breathing capabilities and all. So we through the research we found out like you know this can be extended to even provide the support L one L two level support to the patient so they can solve the problems with the device using their mobile at home itself. They don't have to send the machine back and wait for it or get a replacement. That itself is a huge direct impact in their day-to-day life because now you apply the right solution in their context and they don't have to suffer for two more days with or struggling with the new machine altogether, right? So there are always these kind of opportunities which always present in front of ourselves when you look very deeply in the system where the user is going to use your solution and then make it more holistic for them. So I, yeah, we formally believe that there will be always a direct or indirect influence of the design on the health outcomes of the patients itself. Yeah. And you've both been giving such great examples of how these things are getting used and for the users themselves. And Amy, could you elaborate on some of the more successful case studies that have shown the effectiveness of Design Studio and 
how the principles behind it are versatile enough to function across many different areas in the health domain. Yeah, for sure. Rishi and I did a recent project that focused on clinicians and actually health systems themselves trying to ensure that patient is set up for success, even from a billing perspective, that everything is going to run smoothly and found out that they were experiencing challenges in talking with them, got to the core of the issue, also combined that with evaluating the search logs of the site and doing a really comprehensive analysis. And we're able to come up with an experience that really was a search innovation. So fairly simple, but leveraging, you know, the best in technology where instead of having to call and wait on the phone and find out what the situation might be, they were able to search and find the information that they needed quite swiftly. So, you know, even something as minor as that, you know, minor, so to speak, you're reducing friction in the system and you're improving somebody's day and you're making it so that they can achieve more. But I will say, you know, that's a clinician facing technology user experience example. In my past, worked on a project that was really looking at prevention. So when somebody comes in and they need help and they need support, of course, we want to deal with them as best as we can and give them what, what they need and get them to that next step. But in terms of prevention, how do we reach out to identify the things that people care most about, the risks they might be facing, and help them come up with a plan for things that they can do in their own lives to achieve their best health and become healthier? So setting them up for success where hopefully they can avoid that healthcare episode days, weeks, months, years down the line. And so those are the things that get me really excited. And the project I mentioned in my past was a health coach that was in your pocket that would sort of work with you and then connect you to the best health professionals you know, at the moment you were in. So again, huge opportunity out there on both the patient and the provider side of things. Absolutely. There's that next frontier that I feel has been starting to get explored a little bit. I come from a health coaching background, actually, in the corporate world. And it's very exciting where that can head and where that can go in some of these next steps here. And making that link, I guess, between the healthcare providers and professionals and the patient. And so, Rishi, what are some of the design studio accelerators and some thought leadership initiatives? Like, how do you define design thinking? I think, you know, design studio means a place for people to come and experiment, right? And find the solution because we want it to be open, but also put the process around it. We have consciously documented our learnings and understanding. For example, so much of work in healthcare space, different actors, different users, we have documented those into personas. So any project we are starting, we are not starting from scratch. We can leverage those then build on top of it, right? So that's starting part. So that gives a quick jump start to the teams when starting the project. Even like in terms of to, to execute the projects, we have created templates. As simple as that usability testing protocol. Very simple thing, but as a questionnaire, as a protocol, you always need a guide when you're doing those kind of sessions. So we have those things documented and templatized. So it becomes for our teams to work on those kind of projects pretty fast. They don't have to, you know, scramble when the project comes. So that is there. 
experimentation. You talk about thought leadership. So we always believe in experimentation. So behavioral design. So we try different models. Like there are very interesting framework done by very intellectual people like Octanalysis, 3B models, Combi models. We experiment with those to find out that which works in what kind of context and to make sure that we can actually apply it to the real scenarios as well, which we constantly do. And in CTS tech, design thinking is not a process alone. We want to make that as a mindset for the whole organization. So we have created learning tracks, not only for designers, but for the entire organization. Anybody in the organization can come in and can participate in those learning tracks to understand what design is about, what design thinking is about, and then use that understanding to apply their problem-solving areas as well. So not only just as a we as a group, but we take that as a challenge and opportunity for that diagnosis to build that as a mindset that we can leverage on to solve the problems for healthcare, the complex problems we work on. And Amy, what convinced you that Sidious Tech was an organization with a genuine vision for a better world that put the human condition front and center? Yeah, I would say the people at Sidious Tech are just among the most kind and authentic that I've come across. So they don't just say that they want to put a focus here. They do the hard work of incorporating it into the projects and so that we can truly manifest it, right? So it's not just a marketing pitch. It's something that they're committed to, dedicated to, and live out every day. And on top of which, they're a pleasure to work with, right? So if you say you're human-centered, but your people aren't happy, it's probably not true. So (laughs) working with them is an absolute pleasure. Very good to hear. I wanted to just finish it out. It's a close it out with a little little fun question for the both of you. Who in the world of healthcare would be most useful for you to that you know you really want to sit down and maybe have a cup of coffee and have some chat? (laughs) Rishi, I'll start with you. Well, that has been really, really great so far because to learn from our own experience and that so I lucky with that that I have Amy right there to do to be able to do it because so apart from that, recently, you know, it's, it's many people have given a lot of information and knowledge around it. So but of recent few months I've been listening to John Nosta from Nosta Labs. He works in the intersection of technology and healthcare and wearable tech and all. So very interesting to look hear him perspective around that. And from business point of view, Gil Bash is another person I sometimes read from or listen to that where the investments are happening, why the, the industry is moving in a certain direction and all. So, of course, those are the two folks also I recently, you know, been listening to. But, but the closest is Tammy, of course. <laughs> yeah, right back at you, Rishi. And I enjoy our collaboration because you have so much experience across the health ecosystem and, and all of the different aspects, which is amazing. I'm really keen to meet with not just one, but many leaders across the ecosystem of health to see where they're thinking things will go. And honestly, it would be amazing to have a meeting of the minds to say, okay, what could we do together? You know, I think everybody's sort of approaching things from their discrete, you know, angle and niche, but there's a greater power in the collective if we can team up and integrate or combine services or figure out how we can serve folks better by through collaboration. So it would be really fun to conduct a vision session with multiple leaders across health. Yeah, 
Hopefully the leaders across health, they hear that. <laughs> Collaboration. Oh, that's wonderful that, you know, within people on your own team in your workplace, it's great that there are wonderful minds that you can collaborate with and have creative, innovative chats with over a cup of coffee and be excited to share your passions on your projects that you're working on. So that's wonderful. And I'll let you get back to collaborating and doing all your wonderful work that you're doing. But thank you both very, very much for joining me today. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Been a great pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Lauren. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Amy. The Shaping Healthcare Podcast is brought to you by Sidious Tech, a leader in healthcare consulting and IT services. To find out more about Sidious Tech, visit SidiousTech.com. To listen to more interesting insights on healthcare technology and innovations, search and subscribe to the Shaping Healthcare Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want to share any feedback or would like to be featured in our podcast, do write to us at SidiousVision at SidiousTech.com. <laughs>